Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly Los Angeles Rams podcast. We get into SoCal sports news of interest, but we'll mostly talk about what's happening with your L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. We are, by the way, a member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Let's get to it. Welcome to episode 23 of Rams Up. What do we have for you today? We'll open up with our roundup of NFL Rams and SoCal sports news. We have our fearsome four questions. This week, all questions are related to your new quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And I'm also going to have a segment on a matchup of the all-time 49er roster versus the all-time Rams roster. There should be some interesting results for 49er fans. I think educated Ram fans will not be too surprised. And we'll finish our countdown of the top 20 SoCal sports figures, 10 through 1. We had 11 through 20 last week. It's just a fun thing we've been doing. Get through some Ram news. We finally saw that new jersey. Looks spectacular as far as I'm concerned. Can't wait to see that on opening night at SoFi. That will be an electric atmosphere, and the uniform is perfect for the evening, I think. We occasionally see these various media outlets rack and stack all the Super Bowl champions. CBS Sports took another shot at it. The 1999 Rams came in at number 10, the 10th best Super Bowl champion. I've seen them much higher than that, but hey, at least they're mentioned. I'm not going to get too spun up about the actual order, but Rams came in at 10. That was kind of cool. Jimmy Ward, the 49er cornerback, throwing some shade at Matthew Stafford. Not going to make too much of this because he did actually have some great things to say about Stafford. He was just pointing out that Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl and won some playoff games. He's just pointing out that Stafford hasn't done that yet, hasn't won a playoff game, so let's pump the brakes on this new Rams dynasty some people are predicting. I don't have too much trouble with what Ward said. It's actually pretty accurate, but I also suspect that he was regretting saying those things as soon as he saw it in print. doesn't help the 49er cause at all. Ward will learn his lesson, hopefully. It was nice to see Isaac Bruce being a little arrogant for once, claiming him and Holt as the best wide receiver duo ever. I've always said that one of the reasons Bruce and Holt get overlooked is because they don't blow their own horn. And Bruce just came out and said it. Hey man, we're the best. I've begun doing some research on this exact topic. Thank you, Isaac. And I have some interesting findings that I will share with you next week with a special segment on that. So next week, look for our segment on the greatness of Torrey Holt and the greatness of the Bruce Holt wide receiver combination. NFL News, Richard Sherman. Most of you have probably seen the video of him on his wife's front porch. I assume that's also his front porch. Going a little crazy. Suspect he might have been drunk. You know, I've always felt Richard Sherman was a little bit overrated. I think in his prime, he was an excellent cornerback, but I used to refer to an uncalled defensive holding a Sherman 
because he got away with it so much. But I always liked him. I liked him as a person. I think he's intelligent, outspoken, willing to share opinions. And that's no reason to dislike someone. But do we really need to see these videos when a person's personal life goes sideways for a few moments? I feel really bad for him. I think a lot of people have had moments like that. The entire world really doesn't need to see that. That's just my opinion. SoCal Sports Roundup. Kawhi Leonard had some ACL surgery. It's kind of what we suspected was going to happen all along. They were somewhat secretive about that. Two best records in baseball. San Francisco Giants and LA Dodgers. And the Dodgers. It seems like every chance they have to make up ground on the Giants, something happens and they blow it. They lose a couple in a row. And in this case, and in this case on Sunday, the Giants had already lost, and the Dodgers go into the bottom of the ninth with a 4-3 lead. They close out that game. They move into first place ahead of the Giants by percentage points. But what happens? They blow the lead, goes into extra innings, and they lose. So they remain in second place for now. Just seems like the Dodgers are a little bit snake-bitten this year. But they're hanging in there, so that's a good thing. If they can hang in there with all these little issues and some larger issues going on, might bode well for the second half of the season. Mookie Betts coming out of the All-Star break smoking hot. Actually, he had started to heat up before the All-Star break and apparently had a little hip injury the other night, but he's expected to be back soon. Gavin Lux out with a hamstring injury. Max Muncy will be missing some time when his wife goes into labor, probably this week. Dustin May out, as you know, for the year. Trevor Bauer, that situation continues with no new information that I'm aware of, other than the fact that his teammates have begun shunning him to some degree. And in 2021, shunning means that they no longer follow you on Instagram. So we'll have to see what happens with Trevor Bauer. But I suspect when all is said and done, the Dodgers will end up sitting atop that division. They're just too good. Next up, our first and four questions, all about Matthew Stafford. have another fearsome four questions for you this episode. These questions are all related to our new quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Fearsome question one, is Matthew Stafford injury prone? Now, until recently, there were those who argued that injury prone is not even a thing, but recent research indicates that it actually is, in some cases, related to genetics, DNA, I won't get into the scientific details. Kind of boring, to be honest with you. I would also argue that certain players' playing style could result in them being injury-prone. That's kind of obvious, right? RG3, Carson Wentz would be two great examples. But what about Matthew Stafford? Is he injury-prone at this point in his career, 32 years old? Well, let's start with the beginning of his career. He missed six games as a rookie with both knee and shoulder injuries. In in year two, he missed 13 games with the same shoulder injury. 
In 2019, he missed eight games with a fractured tailbone, played through a variety of injuries in 2020. I don't think the data indicates that he's necessarily injury-prone. I think if he is slightly injury-prone, it's offset by his toughness, which is well-documented. The one scientific analysis I saw gave him a 10% chance of being injured this year, an injury that would result in missed time. Is Matthew Stafford injury-prone based on his history? I would say no, and that's mitigated by the fact that he's a pretty tough guy. For some question two, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback? Well, he's got 12 years under his belt, 45,000 yards, comes out to about 3760 per season. I don't think it's unrealistic to predict that he could pass for 4,200 plus yards per year over the next four seasons with the Rams in McVay's offense. That would be an additional 17,000 yards, putting him around 62,000 for his career. He'd be 36 years old, maybe still some time left at that point. At 62,000 yards, that would be sixth all-time behind Breeze, Brady, Manning, Favre, and Rivers. Brady is still active. He's not going to catch Brady. But there's three other guys that are still active as well. Roethlisberger, Rodgers, and Ryan. Not sure if he's going to catch any of them. So so it's a fair projection for him to be a top 10 quarterback all-time as far as passing yards. He will also likely go down as the Detroit Lions' greatest quarterback ever. And I think that's important, regardless of how poorly that franchise has done. Put too much weight on wins and losses and championships when it comes to the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Certainly, you can't discount a guy that throws for 60,000, 70,000 yards and never wins a playoff game. It's still something to consider, right? So I would say if he finishes as a top 10 quarterback in passing yardage and the greatest quarterback in the history of a particular franchise, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Will he be? That probably depends on his playoff performances with the Rams. We're assuming he gets to a couple. So yes, Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback, in my opinion. Whether that actually happens depends on these voters and his playoff performances. First some question three. What is his record against some of the upcoming Ram opponents? Well, nothing really stood out to me. I reviewed his records against uh, his new NFC West rivals. Nothing jumped off the screen at me about what you'd expect for a quarterback playing for a perennially last place team. Same can be said against his old divisional rivals, Vikings, Bears, Packers. Nothing remarkable. Mostly slightly under 500. He's got a 3-2 and two record against the Bucks, a franchise that has been up and down over the years, mostly down. So that didn't strike me as especially interesting. He's also 3-2 and two against the Giants, who the Rams play this year. Other opponents for this season, he's never lost to the Jaguars, 3-0. and oh. But unfortunately, he's never beat the Titans or the Texans, 0-3 oh against both. So nothing really remarkable there. Let's hope he gets his first wins against the Titans and Texans this year and stays unbeaten against the Jaguars. Here's some question four. What's the deal with these fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives? 
This has been in the news quite a bit, various stories since he got traded to the Rams. He's got 31 fourth quarter comebacks, 39 game-winning drives. That puts him in eighth place as far as game-winning drives tied with Matt Ryan and Johnny Unitas. For comparison, Jared Goff has six fourth quarter comebacks and eight game-winning drives over five seasons. If you translated that to 12 years, which is where Stafford's at, he would have 14 and 19. So basically, Stafford is generating fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives at twice the rate as Goff. So that's nice to see if you're a Rams fan. But let's look closer at these fourth quarter comebacks. Some of them are kind of bogus. Certainly not his fault. But for example, if the Lions are down 21-20 at the end of the third quarter and the first play of the fourth quarter, Jason Hansen kicks a field goal to put the Lions up and they go on to win 23-21, that will go down as a fourth quarter comeback for the quarterback, in this case, Matthew Stafford. And there is a few of those Rather than look at all of these fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives, I decided to do something a little more specific. And first, let me say that when I'm watching a game and my team is down in the fourth quarter, I'm watching that clock and I'm thinking, you know, there's 12 minutes left, 10 minutes left, 9 minutes left. I feel like we got a shot here. We got a shot. When it gets under 8 minutes, though, I start to get pretty nervous. I start to think something needs to happen really fast or we're going to be in real trouble. So I went through Stafford's fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives, and I looked for and I looked for instances where he threw clutch passes, game-winning passes, under eight minutes left. I put his clutch passes in four categories. Less than eight minutes left, less than four, less than two, and less than one found four instances where he threw game-winning passes with less than eight minutes left. One of those against the Rams, by the way. Less than four minutes, three times. One of them was a, a rush, by the way. So two passes and one rushing touchdown. Less than two minutes, just one in 2014. Less than a minute, nine times. Nine times. Matthew Stafford connected for a TD pass to essentially win a game. I'm talking about 39 seconds left, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 12 seconds, 29 seconds, 21 seconds, 16 seconds, one the last play of the game, and one in overtime. That to me is pretty impressive. Didn't really ask this question to start, but the question I should have asked is, is Matthew Stafford the comeback kid? I think the data don't lie. He certainly is. This next segment, I'm going to call it my sports pet peeve of the week, but it it really goes much deeper than that, and it goes back to the Madden 20 GOAT tournament that was held last year. If you remember, they simulated a tournament between all the NFL teams comprised of their all-time rosters. 
and in that tournament, the Rams advanced to the finals and lost to the New York Giants. And that kind of made sense to me if you look at all-time rosters. Rams and Giants are pretty strong. Packers, Bears, some of those teams. It's not necessarily those teams that have won a lot of championships, the Steelers, Cowboys, and Niners. And the reason for that is some of those franchises have had a very condensed period of success. They have not had great teams and great players across many decades like the Rams and Giants have. So I had a discussion with a Niner fan, and he was just flabbergasted that the Rams were in that final and not the 49ers. And I had a somewhat friendly discussion with him trying to explain to him that the Niners didn't have great players from the 50s and 60s and the 70s like the Rams did. For example, the Niners claimed 22 Hall of Famers, but only 13 played the majority of their career with the Niners. Deion Sanders, for example, played one season there. The Rams have 17 players that played primarily with the Rams and are in the Hall of Fame. So what I did, though, is I looked through position by position, comparing these two teams, used a little scoring system. I'll go through it real quick. I'll try not to bore you with too many details here, but go through each position. Some positions, more points are available than others. The max points you can get is five. Some positions, it's slower than that. I also tried to break it out so that the offensive line, for example, you look at the tackles and then you also look at the interior offensive line. You look at the cornerbacks separately from the safeties and so on. So this is what I came up with. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Montana, Young, Y.A. Tittle, and Brody. Got to give that group the max of five. And I'm trying to be very generous to the 49ers here and not being overly generous to the Rams. You could argue four points for the Rams with those two great 1950s quarterbacks, Norm Van Brocklin and Bob Waterfield. Then you had Roman Gabriel and Kurt Warner. But I'm only giving the Rams three points. I could argue for four, but I'll leave it at three. Now let's look at the running backs. Niners, Roger Craig, Garrison Hurst, Joe Perry, Hugh McElhinney, Ricky Waters, Frank Gore. Lots of good running backs there. I don't think any of them were considered elite. Even Frank Gore His success is primarily due to longevity and a lot of that with other teams. But I give the Niners a three out of five for running back. The Rams, Dickerson, Falk, Jackson, Gurley, McCutcheon, Ollie Matson didn't count Jerome Bettis. More of his career was with the Steelers, but I give the Rams the max five. I think the Rams have the best running back room of any team in the NFL. The only team that comes close is the Dallas Cowboys with Dorsett, Smith, and Ezekiel Elliott. But Rams clobber the Niners at running back 5-3. to three. Fullback, I'm going to give one point to the Niners here. Rams have not had any really notable fullbacks, in my opinion. Nothing that comes close to Tom Rathman anyway, so we'll give the Niners one point there. Tight end, kind of the same deal. Tight end is one of those positions the Rams have never really flourished at. They've had some okay guys, Bob Klein, Ernie Conwell. The Niners, Brent Jones, Vernon Davis, two pretty darn good tight ends. George Kittle, he hasn't been there long enough to give them a lot of points for that. But I'm not going to max five here for the tight end position, but I'll give the Niners three points and the Rams one point. 
Wide receiver is pretty interesting. You can argue all day about this. Niners, Rice, Owens, Taylor, Gene Washington. Can't give them anything less than a five for that. But hey, guess what? Can't give less than five for the Rams either. Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Henry Ellard. And from the 50s, Tom Fears and Elroy Hirsch. Throw in Jack Snow. Some pretty darn good wide receivers there. So that's a 5-5 tie. Offensive tackle. I'm going to give three points to the Niners. Harrison Barton, Bob St. Clair. I guess they were pretty darn good. St. Clair is in the Hall of Fame. The Rams, Orlando Pace. Jackie Slater, Doug France. Not giving them Andrew Whitworth quite yet. But those three alone... I'm giving the Rams a max five. Orlando Pace might have been the best left tackle ever. Helped them win a Super Bowl. He's certainly in the discussion as best ever. Interior line, I called it a 4-4 tie. The Rams had some great guys. Tom Mack, Dennis Hara, Adam Timmerman. So did the Niners. Randy Cross, Forrest Blue, Guy McIntyre. Call that a draw. Linebackers, I'm going to give the... Niners a 4-2 edge here. This is another position the Rams have not necessarily flourished at, especially over the last 20-30 years. Niners Ken Norton, Charles Haley, Jack Reynolds, Patrick Willis, Dave Wilcox. The Rams also had Jack Reynolds, but Isaiah Robertson, Les Richter's a Hall of Famer, Kevin Green, a Hall of Famer, came up with the Rams. I feel like giving the Rams credit for London Fletcher, but I will not. He moved on from the Rams after a few years and became one of the greatest all-time undrafted free agents. Cornerback, it's actually not a lot to talk about here for either team, in my opinion. I'm not going to give the 49ers credit for Deion Sanders. He played one year there. He had one great year there. Other than that, he had Jimmy Johnson and Eric Wright. Rams had Leroy Irvin, Todd Light, Jalen Ramsey. We should probably already start talking about Ramsey as the all-time best Rams cornerback. Let's let him get a couple more years under his belt, though. But I think it's fair to call this a 2-2 dry, even if you give the Niners some credit for Deion Sanders. Come on, he was there one year. I'm not going to give the cornerback position to the Niners based on one season for Sanders there. So let's call that a draw 2-2. Safety, Niners get a big edge here, 5-3. Entirely due to Ronnie Lott. After that, Niners had Merton Hanks. For the Rams, Eddie Meter, Nolan Cromwell. Two solid safeties. Meter's a Hall of Famer. But still give the edge to the Niners here. Five to three. Special teams. The Niners apparently rely on Andy Lee as their punter. Ray Warshall as their kicker. And John Taylor as their kick returner. For the Rams, future Hall of Famer Johnny Hecker. Kicker, I'm going to go with Greg. They've had Jeff Wilkins, Mike Lansford, also good kickers, and the returner, Tony Horn. That's the guy I'm going with. And I'm going to have to say, if I'm picking three special teamers from amongst these two teams, I think all three of the guys I'm picking are Rams, Hecker, Greg, and Tony Horn. Now, you may have noticed I skipped two positions, and this is where the Rams have their biggest advantage. Let's talk about defensive end first. The Niners claim Dana Stubfield, Cedric Hardman, Justin Smith, 
They also claim Fred Dean, but he was with the Chargers more than the Niners. Hey, but you know what? We'll give you Fred Dean. That's a good group. Nice four defensive ends you have there. Congratulations. Who do the Rams have? I'm just going to give you two names. Deacon Jones and Jack Youngblood. Game, set, match. I'm going to give the Rams a 5-3 to three edge there. You could argue for more. 5-2. to 10-2. 10-5. to, two, ten to five. Jones and Youngblood. Crazy good. What about defensive tackle? Niners have an old-time Hall of Famer. I'll try to say it correctly. Leo Nomolini. They also had Bryant Young and Michael Carter. Young was a beast. Rams, again, I'm going to give you two names. Aaron Donald and Merlin Olsen. Another game set match. I'm giving the Rams a 5-2 to two edge there. Aaron Donald, perhaps the greatest defensive tackle, if not the greatest player in the history of the NFL. In fact, Two of the guys that would be in that conversation are in this discussion, Jerry Rice and Aaron Donald, who's greater. Let's get some beers and argue about that one. But I'm always going to point to that Rams defensive line when it comes to arguments like this. Just think about that. Think about that front four. Deacon Jones, Aaron Donald, Merlin Olsen, and Jack Youngblood. Yeah, Montana's a great quarterback. Got some great receivers there, but how much time is Joe going to have? I think I've been fair. Maybe I didn't award the Niners a point or two that I should have, but the same could be said for the Rams. This is not an easy thing to do if you're a Rams fan, but my final score was Rams 43, Niners 42. And don't get me wrong, I have great respect for the Niners and what they've done. That run they had with Montana and Rice... It was incredible. It was very annoying. But got to give them their due. One of the greatest runs in NFL history with that group. But don't come at me and tell me that the Niners' all-time roster is better than the Rams. You can make that argument. We can discuss it. A lot of positions I could go either way a little bit. Maybe I got something wrong here. I think it's pretty silly just to come out and say, oh, Niners roster, way better than the Rams. Look at our championships. Just give some thought to the Rams wide receivers, their running backs, their offensive line, and their defensive line. And then you'll maybe start to understand why Rams fans will tell you, yes, our all-time roster is pretty darn good. week we started our fun little countdown of the top 20 sports figures in Southern California, coaches, managers, players that are still active. We got down to number 11 and we saved the top 10 for this week. And I did want to mention that it took a little heat for including Trevor Bauer. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody with that. He does have a very high profile even before his legal issues of the last two weeks. So you may have to rethink that one, but for now, that first 10 will stand. Now, let's look at the top 10. And number 10, Cody Ballinger. One of the best hitters in baseball when he's healthy. He's another guy that's got swag. 
a great defensive outfielder. How many times have we seen him save a game with a catch against the wall? And it got me thinking, too, when I'm thinking about Cody Ballinger, it's really interesting how a left-handed power hitter's swing is so much more beautiful than a right-handed power hitter's. I don't know why, but Cody Ballinger's swing is something to behold. He's certainly well-known across the country, and he's a star. Number nine, Shohi Hatani, the Angels player. I almost said outfielder, almost said pitcher. I don't know what he is. He's everything, right? And he's famous across the world, right? He's famous in the United States and in Japan. And by the way, from June 15th to 29th, Otani had 11 home runs. He had two starts on the mound. He went 1-0 with one no decision, two earned runs he gave up, and 14 strikeouts. So he's there mainly for his worldwide fame. Number seven, Matthew Stafford. He's been in the news a lot. Big expectations with the Rams now as their quarterback. He's potentially a future Hall of Famer. He probably needs to get some playoff wins under his belt to seal the deal. But Matthew Stafford is my number seven. And he's only been here for a few months. So he could end up being higher. Number six, Mookie Betts. Mookie's had some opinions on social justice issues. And he also happens to be one of the most complete baseball players in the world. Great character, extremely popular. After years with the Red Sox, he's got notoriety in the American League and on the East Coast, and now he's brought his game to California, and the show continues. Number five, Clayton Kershaw. Future Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers in the game over the last 10-15 years. Intelligent, thoughtful, opinionated. Who doesn't know who Clayton Kershaw is? Number four, Sean McVay. And his arrow is pointing up. Still a young guy. He's already coached in a Super Bowl. An NFL coach in the entertainment capital of the world. He's got to be on this list. Super popular. Some detractors are always will be. Got to give him marks for fame and performance. Number three on this list, the greatest baseball player in the history of the world, Mike Trout. I'm just going to leave it at that. Mike Trout is incredible, and everybody knows who Mike Trout is because of the fact he is perhaps the greatest ever. Number two, Aaron Donald. going to repeat myself here. It might be sounding like a broken record here, but the greatest ever perhaps the greatest football player in the history of the world. Famous, been in the Super Bowl, recognized as just an incredible talent. Aaron Donald, number two on my list. Number one, broken record, perhaps the greatest basketball player in the history of the world, LeBron James. Now, I don't know if LeBron James is the best player in the NBA right now. He may have handed that designation over to Kevin Durant in the last year. But LeBron James, I know he's got his detractors. He's been overly active, some would say, on social justice issues. He's an incredible player. He's intelligent. He cares about issues. He's certainly extremely famous. And in his prime, 
He was better than Michael Jordan. He could do more things than Michael Jordan could. Carrying teams on his back. The greatest basketball player ever, in my opinion. By the way, if you're keeping score, that's six Dodgers, five Rams, two each from the Lakers, Clippers, Chargers, and Angels, and one player from the Galaxy. So there's my 20, just for fun. If you have any issues, shoot me an email. We'll get you on. We can argue about it a little bit if you want. There's my top 20 SoCal sports personalities circa 2021. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.